with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm for his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea into parts for his mercy endures forever. You know, we read scriptures and it sort of waits to get inside of us and grow, you know. And I feel that way about the song we're going to sing this morning that uh, Karen was so kind to, uh, to uh, bring this song to us. And uh, so in the song itself, if you would just take a minute uh, and get it in your soul rather up here, it, down deep, how great thou art. Isn't it something how great he is in our life, how he's come and saved us out of things that we thought we couldn't get out? This God of the universe, how great he is. The Bible talks about that we are allowed to go into the throne room of grace because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We can walk in boldly this morning. We can ask God for whatever we wanted. And what Satan hates the most is a collective prayer. He wants us to be divided. That's his biggest uh, trick he uses in life. Divide the body. When it comes together and it prays, we're powerful. We can move mountains in the name of Jesus. So if you would, pray with me this morning for the pastor's miracle recovery. Not just a recovery, a miracle recovery. Because he is the leader of all of us. And if we don't have a leader, we'll be bouncing in the walls. We won't know where to go. So pray with me if you would. Lord, we come into your throne room boldly, Father. We know, God, that you are in charge of all things. And we bring Bruce with us today, Lord, and we stand in front of your ever-presence power, Lord God. And we ask for your touch in a mighty way, Lord, to touch those sinuses, to touch those things that were operated on. And, Father, let it be a miracle, a miracle to the doctor's eyes as he sees Bruce recover in the speed of sound, Father. We thank you for that cross. We thank you for the blood you shed for us. In your precious and holy name, amen. I'd like to talk about, um, I'd like to talk about how it feels to lose all your notes, <laughs> like I just did. <laughs> I've been up there looking for my notes, and I can't find my notes. But anyway, we're going <laughs> to, if this is a test of the Holy Spirit, I talked about him last week, he's going to have to really pull it off this week. There's a story that I wanted to tell you today, and it's a powerful story about this grand opera, uh, this grand concert hall in New York City. Uh, it has a five-tier elevation, 201 feet tall. It seats 2,800 people. An aisle from the front to the back, 80 feet. It's palatial with all of the grandeur of the old, uh, European artisans. It's just a place where every artist has gone from 1890 till now and performed. And you think I can remember the name of it? No way! <laughs> so anyway, that's the story of what it is. But the main story in all of this ends up to be about a little autistic boy.
This little autistic boy loved the piano. He loved playing the piano. And uh, his parents finally got a ticket to Carnegie Hall. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Whoo. I'm getting chills. That was the Holy Spirit. Bring it back into this old cord. Okay. I'm going to calm down. Finally, the day comes. You know, in that whole place at Carnegie Hall, you have to, uh, if you want to get up to the fifth tier, you have to walk up 145 steps to the fifth tier. There's no elevator to the fifth tier. There's elevators to the fourth tier. I was there, ironically, at Carnegie Hall when I was a little boy, looking around at the grandeur of all of this, and it was just an amazing place that man created for the arts. Anyway, Vandermeer Horowitz is coming to town. He's been there many times, drew more audiences than anybody could. A Russian-born American who was the pianist of all pianists. He was the main man that could play uh, anything of depth. It says the place shook when he played. And so, this little boy so excited, the parents bought him a piano and he would play the piano and he was so excited the night came and he was there. And he walked down the aisle, they were middle of the seating of a thousand and eight people in the front, in the, in the bottom auditorium, the main auditorium at the stage. And so, there's rumbling in the crowd. People are speaking. It's just full of anticipation of seeing the master once again come to that piano. And the little boy, he's so excited. He can't stand it. He can't wait until he sees the, the master. He wants to see the master of this piano that he loves so much. The curtain starts coming up. The lights start dimming. And all of a sudden, they're watching, his parents are watching and waiting in anticipation, and the little boy's gone. Where is our son? And all of a sudden, they hear these footsteps heading towards the stage, and everybody's got laughing and, and wondering what's going on, and security is jumping up trying to stop this little boy from having the master embarrassed. The master says, bring is that what your master does? They bring you. Come. Come. He only had a few notes to bring. He didn't have much to bring. The master says, come. The little boy gets on the stage finally, and he, he's smiling at uh, Valdemir, and, he's, and Valdemir's looking at him, and he says, sit, sit. So the little boy sits, and... Uh, Starts playing. Dink, dink, dink. And Valdemir's standing behind him with his arms around him. And he starts putting in the notes. This great musician, this great man's putting in the notes that the little boy can't possibly put in. And this thing turns out to the amazement of the audience. 
concerto. It was so beautiful what the master could do with four or five notes that they had a standing ovation. It was a milestone in that place because of the love the master had for this little boy that everybody wanted to keep off that stage. I wonder in our lives today as we sit here, we've tried to play our own. We've tried to make our own concerto. We've tried to make our own symphony. We try to do the best we can. We went out, bought the best house or the best car, the best, sorry, motorcycle. <laughs> sorry, Bob. I know you love your motorcycle. And that's all well and good. But the problem in it is that God has a song for us that he wants us to learn. And sometimes we have to learn it in the valley. And sometimes we learn it on the mountaintop. But you know, we come with the four notes and we don't know how the rest of it, how to play. Play those notes. But I know one thing about you people in this auditorium. You know how God put the music into your life. You brought four notes sometimes and he wrote the rest of the concerto. You know, we wonder how are we going to get through this? And the devil says, you're not getting through it. You know, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. <clears throat> I walked with Jesus Christ. I, you know my story. I met him in a little Baptist church at 26. And I want to end the story there and say, my life was great, man. All I did was go out and evangelize. And it was just wonderful at that point, you know. I had a horrendous walk with Jesus at first. I didn't know how to walk with Jesus. I didn't know how to stride with Jesus. I didn't know what to do. So I would fall down, and he'd pick me up. I'd fall down, he'd pick me up. You know, that's what God does in our life. He picks us up after we fall down. It says the real sign of a champion isn't how many guys was knocked down. It's how many times he got back up. That's what we're about in Christianity. That's what we're about in the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says in Revelation 17 that we have defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. Wait. Defeated now. We have defeated him because of what we believe about the blood of the Lamb and what he did on that cross for us. And by our testimony. The testimony has so much power in our lives when we start talking about somebody to Jesus and what he did in our life. It's the power of the Almighty God coming into their life to bring them around to the understanding of salvation. I'm going to tell you a quick story because I brought my... I put a battery in it. I thought it had all kinds of technical problems. You know, God's good. 76, five, oh, five. So I got like three minutes to tell my story. So here it is. Okay. Walking with Jesus, get into the Baptist church. A fence comes into my life. I walk away from the Lord saying, I can't do this. People expect too much out of me. And I go back to my old stuff. You know, and uh, alcohol was my stuff. I went back to my stuff, my comfort zone. That's where I thought that it could lay every problem that I had away. And then I would come crawling back to God and repenting, Lord, 
God, I want to walk with you. He says, yeah, I love you. Come on, walk. We walked together for four years. People come to Jesus. They said, I'm on my way. I know it now. I'll never fall over again. I'll never fall down again. I have what it takes. I have what it takes. Anyway, to make a long story short, after all those falling downs and gettings up, at 38, I'm dying of drugs and alcohol, and I don't know where to go. And I don't think my Jesus ever wants me back again. He'll never take me back. I have about six months of sobriety, and I'm thinking, okay, okay, I, I, got, I got it this time. Without a doubt, there's no problem at all. Yeah, I got it. So I'm a little haughty, and I see a bunch of street people, and all of a sudden, my partner wants to work with the street people because she had a street life, and at 11 years old, she had a street life. She wanted me to work with the street people. So I just, uh, no, man, I, you know, I, I'm sober. I don't need anything. I, I, I'm getting it in you, Jesus. So we went down, we used to give, on Main Street in Las Vegas, we used to give a little plastic bag with a little Bible in it, with a little do, a $1 bill and a, one cigarette. That's all, it's one cigarette. That's all he got. So... Make a long story short, I didn't want to do it. I did not want to do it. Now, I don't, know, believe, I don't know how many people believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. God speaks to you. I don't know, man. I, 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 he's been speaking to me all my born-again experience. So without that little voice in my head, I wouldn't be up here today, I'll tell you that. So that little voice, I'm driving down Pittman Nevada, close to Las Vegas, and there is the dirtiest street person I've ever seen in my life. I said, God, if you love me, you'll never let her see that guy. No way. No, I don't want to deal with that guy. Are you kidding me? So... She said, there he is. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Man. Turn the truck around. So I turn the truck around, and I park about at least 30 yards from this guy because I think this is the end of her life. If I get close, it'll be the end of mine. So she walks, starts running towards this guy and grabs a hold of him and hugs him. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and the Holy Spirit said, get out of the truck. What? What? I'm, getting, I'm not getting out of this truck. No, no. No, I'm telling you, get out of the truck. Oh, Lord. Okay, okay. So, guys there, I'm 30 yards away. I start walking. Ever in those uh, drive-in movies where the clock goes, you know, for the popcorn click? Click, you know, popcorn, click. You got 30 seconds to get it, you know. So I'm walking towards her, towards him. It's going click, click. And I'm like, I'm getting weaker. I'm getting like, click, another click. I can hardly walk towards the guy. I'm like, what's going on, man? And then the empowerment of this, I don't want to get too crazy. 
The Holy Spirit was all around me. It was my Damascus experience coming up for Dan the alcoholic. I walk towards the guy and it's clicking and it's clicking and it's clicking and I can hardly stand anymore. And the Holy Spirit says, look in his eyes. looked in his eyes I don't want to tell you I will want to tell you that all of a sudden there was a transition in my soul I became him and he became me and the Lord says there's no difference in him than you you still have the same problem how to live this life one day at a time and from that point on, I was Paul, man. I, I was hanging with 300 street people at one time in the middle of the yard down at St. Vincent's, feeding everybody and loving everybody and then loving me. You see, it's not how people look or how they're clothed or what. It's their heart that God has to play the concerto for. For mankind, he sat, the master sat. And what he wrote for mankind was the cross. And on that cross, he ran, wrote the grand concerto of all time. A love song that we all can identify with. You see, Dan had nothing to bring. I was, in my Christian walk, I was busted, broke, and done. And God picked me up one more time. To not have a drink in 37 years of my life as of today. That is what God can do, the Holy Spirit can do, the power of the living Christ. So if you think you got problems, Dave thought he had problems and God fixed him. I mean, he welded him back together again. That's the Holy Spirit welding of that man. And I appreciate him in my life and all of you people. Because when I was brought here by my wife, kicking and screaming, <laughs> I thought nobody would love me. But you all ended about being loving me and lovely people. And in that, there's nothing that I could say that um, God is so good. God is so powerful. This God is the real God we have to understand. The real, real, real God. Now I'm supposed to give it the doxology, and I didn't know how to do that, but Alan gave me a thing here. And so, where are we going? Not yet? Oh, okay, Karen. <laughs> I didn't have... <laughs> huh? Okay. stand and do the affirmation of faith that you see on the screen, please. What is your only comfort?
comfort in life and in death. That I am not my own, but belong to body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all of my sins with his precious blood, and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. So blesses over me in such a manner way, not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation, because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on. of uh, our pastor um, you go nowhere by accident wherever you go God is sending you whether you are God has where you are God has put you there he has a purpose in your being there 
Christ who dwells in you has something he wants to do through you where you are, where you are. Believe this and go in his grace and love and power and how true our words were spoken.